0: sing praises to your name oh Lord, praises to your name oh Lord, for your name is... praise god praise god welcome to genesis 1 christian ministries Let's go right into prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and this magnify and most glorious name, O Lord. We thank you for this day that you have made, for we shall rejoice and be oh so glad in it, in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Speak to their hearts, O Lord God. Let them know that you are Lord God Jehovah and that nothing is too difficult for you to do in their lives, O Lord God. Touch them, speak to them in your own special way, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. I give this time and this space entirely over to you to take it where you will, for your honor and your glory and your praise, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, again, welcome to Genesis 1. Pastor Mike here. I hope you're ready for the Word of God today. And if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and go and get it, and a pencil, or paper, and maybe a highlighter or something to mark up your Bible as you uh, listen in to what the Word of God has to say in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, I'm Pastor Mike here, and again, I'm glad you could join us. And today, I want to talk to you about wilderness experiences. I want to talk about wilderness experiences. A wilderness experience is usually thought of as a tough time in which a believer goes through discomfort and and some trials. The pleasant things of life that we normally experience are unable to be enjoyed, or, or they may be absent altogether and one feels just a simple lack of encouragement on any front. A wilderness experience is often a time of intensified spiritual attack. It can involve a spiritual, a financial, or an emotional famine, if you will. Having a wilderness experience is not necessarily a sign that the believer is sinning, okay? Get that straight, okay? A wilderness experience is not necessarily uh, an indication that a believer is is sinning, okay? It's it's simply an indication that God is putting you through a period of testing, okay? It is God-ordained testing. A wilderness experience is often linked to and oftentimes follows a mountaintop experience, quote-unquote. It often follows a mountaintop experience, a mountaintop experience is where Moses first met God at the burning bush on Mount Horeb. That's what's described in the Bible as the mountain of God. Okay? So one goes to the mountain and meets with God. That's considered a mountaintop experience, a good thing, a triumph, a victory in your life. That's a mountaintop experience. So the wilderness experience is a struggle that many times follows a success that you've had in life. Okay, You may have been successful on some front, and something may have gone really smashingly well, and now all of a sudden you're kind of in this wilderness period of time here, and that's how it oftentimes follows. But we're going to talk about wilderness experiences today. And there are several biblical examples of people that went through wilderness experiences. All right, This time of trial that, that, that just seems to follow after you've had a major breakthrough. Many people in the Bible also went through wilderness experiences. The people of Israel, in leaving Egypt, as an example, experienced a miraculous deliverance uh, through the through the uh, passage of the Red Sea. Now That was a mountaintop experience, if you will. It was a success. The triumph of finally being free from slavery, that was their mountaintop experience. Yet what followed was a journey through the desert. They were tried in, in an actual wilderness, and they failed to meet the test. Okay, they failed the test. As a result, their wilderness experience stretched to 40 years, to 40 years. All those who can be said to have had a wilderness experience include the prophet Elijah. And with that, one, we go to 1 Kings 19 1 Kings 19 verse 9. 1 Kings 19 verse number 1, sorry. 1 Kings 19 verse number 1. Thank you, Jesus. And it starts in verse number one. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Remember, remember, you may recall in the preceding verses, that's where he killed the uh, prophets of the 450 prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, this mighty man of God. And after what he did, the victory that he had, now all of a sudden this fear, because this woman said, gave him a threat Okay, and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. The journey is too much for you. He's giving him some warning here that you have a long way to go. So you need to make sure that you have some sustenance, that you have some food. Get up and and eat because the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Okay. So you see here that he, he fled. When he fled, okay? This was his wilderness experience. But even during that time of being in the wilderness there, God provided for him. God provided for him. And God does the same thing with us. When we go through a, a wilderness experience, when we when we experience the dryness or something dries up in our lives, okay, God will still provide for us. God always provides. And we see that, in according to the Word of God, that Jesus also had a wilderness experience, after Jesus' baptism, and you know the story there, once the Holy Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And you know what happened there. Satan threw all of these these uh, challenges to him, if you will, and Jesus came back and said, it is written, man shall not live by, live by bread alone. And every single challenge that Satan tried to throw at Jesus, Jesus counted it with the word of God. The bottom line was that Satan wanted Jesus to bow down to him. Okay, And Jesus defeated him with the word of God. Well, this was Jesus' wilderness experience. Jesus' wilderness experience teaches us some important things, that, that it is not sin. It is not a sin to be tempted. Okay, It is not a sin to be tempted. It is God's will that times of testing come our way. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he went into the wilderness. Remember John the Baptist had baptized him? Okay, and he said that the voice came from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went out into his particular wilderness. All right? And also the other thing that we should remember is that we are never without God's grace. Jesus may have been with the wild animals, as the Scripture says, but angels attended him. That's in Mark 1.13. Okay? So even though Jesus was in the wilderness, the angels still attended him. Okay? When we have our wildernesses, God is indeed with him, with us. God is indeed with us. The believer has to wait, has to wait on the Lord. A believer, you know, in wilderness experience, a believer may struggle simply to survive from day to day. It could be financial, material, physical, or an emotional, you know, that these burdens just press in, us, in on us when we are in that wilderness experience, when we're going through that wilderness experience. But the believer has to wait on the Lord. The believer has to find God's peace and joy in the midst of trouble and through it all grow in the walk with Christ, okay? One of the reasons for God taking us through a wilderness experience is so that he can sift us. And, and, and prune away anything um, uh, that, that is not elevating him in our lives. The wilderness experience opens our eyes to some realities of who God is. And God is, is hoping and wanting us to come and rely only on him and open our eyes to the fact that God is the one that provides all things. OK, so the wilderness experience that you may be going through could be a time of testing for you. Maybe you haven't focused on the Lord enough. Maybe there's something else that you need to do. Amen, amen. But we need to wait on the Lord. Paul offers some encouragement for those who are in a wilderness experience. And if we go to two Corinthians, uh, two Corinthians four, verse one. Two Corinthians four. Two Corinthians four, verse one. It says um, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even in our and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Underline that, please. We don't already have it underlined. The God of this age has blinded the minds of believers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay? All right? right. The God of this age is the devil. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers. This is why we see so many things happening in this world today that are just so you know, unexplainable. We say, H- how could someone do that? How could someone even go in that direction? You know, you look at, you, you look at some of the crime that's going on, you, you look at the many issues, issues of life that's happening in this country, around the world for that matter, and you wonder how could people be doing these things? Well, it's because they are blinded and the devil has blinded their eyes, okay? Has blinded their good sense, has blinded them from even wanting to see God. So it's no small wonder that things are happening the way that they're happening. All right, OK, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of gospel that displays the glory of Christ. OK, the gospel word gospel means good news of of glory of, of Christ, who is the image of God. Five, for what we preach is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus sake, for God who let light, God said, let light Uh, shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, the knowledge of God, Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's what we really, really have to realize and remember. Okay, that the power that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is not anything to do with us. It's from God. It's from God himself. Okay, and we realize that verse number eight, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. All right. So whatever you're going through, as difficult as it may seem, just remember, as it says, you're, you're, you're pressed. Then You may feel like things are pressing in on you, but you're not crushed. Okay, You may feel perplexed, but you don't get to the point of, of, of despairing for the situation that you're in. You may feel persecuted, but yet you're not abandoned and struck down but not destroyed. No matter what is going on, the power of God that is in you, the power of God, the Holy Spirit living in you, Jesus Christ on the inside of you, okay, is much greater than anything that you're going through. So sometimes these wilderness experiences is where God is trying to get us to to remember who we are in him and more importantly, remember who he is and how powerful that he is. Amen. Amen. He always uh, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Amen. 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 So, so no matter what is going on, we do not let ourselves get to the point of just being totally crushed. Amen. Amen. The reason for these trials, Paul says, is to show that uh, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's what verse 7 explains. The wilderness is an unpleasant place for any, any believer. Okay? It's not pleasant when you're in this wilderness experience. We naturally, we want to prosper. We want to have prosperity. We want health. We want to have an easygoing, relatively easygoing life. But the same God who created the Garden of Eden also created the wilderness. Remember that. OK, the same God that created the garden also created the wilderness. All right. And this is what we we experience based on his will, and what he wants us to go through. There will be times of trial and pressure. Our faith will be tested, but the God of grace will meet us even in the wilderness. So no matter what you're going through, remember that God is there with you. OK, and so we we'll look at now. So we finally recognize the fact that these wilderness experiences do indeed uh, come into the lives of believers. Okay, and it isn't something that we should be, um, you know, so 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 afraid of that we just get crushed and just fold up like a cheap suit. That God is taking us through this experience for a reason. Okay, He wants to get our attention. He wants to to awaken us. He wants us to bring us to bring us into the to the acknowledgement and the understanding of, of of a greater reality than everything that is going on around us. That God is the most powerful thing being in this universe or anywhere else in existence period. amen amen amen. so 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 we want to talk about then how are, are some of the ways that we can survive? how can we make it through this wilderness as we're going through it? during these times we may feel that God is no longer near. All right. When things are really, really troublesome in your life and be honest about it, sometimes in in your darkest moment, you may start saying to yourself or thinking to yourself, if you don't say it out loud, is, oh, boy, is God even here? Is God even hearing me? You know, this is quite common for us to experience when we're going through a wilderness experience. We may question whether he hears our prayers and may even find ourselves no longer thirsting for God. You know, you get to the point where this experience, experience uh, the wilderness experience, becomes such a burden to you that you may not feel. Oh, what's the point? You know, why should I bother even praying? Why should I go and spend some time with God? You know, what's it all about? I mean, look look at me. Look at the state that I'm in. Amen. So again, the question is, how do we survive these wilderness experiences? The books of Exodus and Deuteronomy provide us with some some physical, with some uh, practical information, I should say. Okay. Okay. Exodus and Deuteronomy gives us some practical information. Amen. These come from Moses and the Israelites own experience of wandering around in the desert for 40 years. One of the things that we to start with that we shouldn't do is is don't grumble. Okay. We should we should not grumble. It's easy to not feel thankful about anything and to grumble about our circumstances when you can't see a way out of it. Okay. When you can't see a way out, you know, you got bills due, you got this going on, you got infirmity going on in, in your life and in your body, and you, what? Well, what's the, I, I don't see a way out, so it's just bad, it's, I'm in a bad state, this is miserable, and just complain, complain, complain. This is what the Israelites did while in the desert, okay, and because of this, this, is, this was very, had a detrimental effect on them, all of this grumbling and complaining, since it revealed a lot of the state of their hearts, okay? This grumbling revealed who they were in their hearts. So when you're grumbling and complaining all of the time, this is revealing what is in your heart. Okay. In your heart and your, in your heart of hearts are really feeling, gee, this is a bad situation. God's not there to help me. This is not going to work out. And so you wind up doing just like the Israelites did. You grumble, grumble, grumble. And what happened to them? They ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, as you know, and it should have been a relatively short journey. Okay. It could have been, should have been a relatively short uh, journey complaining and constant grumbling about our situation is a sign of a lack of faith. Okay. It's a sign of a lack of faith. And with, with that, let's go to um, Exodus 17, Exodus 17, one, uh, Exodus 17, one through seven, Exodus 17, verse one. Exodus 17, verse number one. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. They quarreled with him, argued with him. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Okay, now they were glad to get out of Egypt. They had been in slavery, what, 400 years? Okay, and so they were finally glad to get out of Egypt. But now all of a sudden here they are complaining and grumbling. Okay, how many times have we been set free from something? How many times have we been delivered from a situation? God has delivered us from a situation. And then we have some some challenge come into our lives. And then we wind up complaining. We wind up saying, oh, Lord, why did you even bring me here? Why did you get me to this place now? Now look at what I'm facing. Okay, All all right. So this is what they were doing. They were constantly complaining. And then it says in verse number four, then Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? He says they are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff uh, with which you struck the Nile and go. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? All right. So here they go again. Okay. They have seen all the miracles of God uh, on the journey. And now all of a sudden they're saying, where is the Lord God? You know, they're, they're forgetting who he is so quickly. And again, we do that so many times. God has blessed us in past situations. God has delivered us through some lack that we had, whether it be financial or it may have been an infirmity that God healed us from or whatever's going on, a relationship, an emotional something, and God delivered us from this. And now all of a sudden, now that we're in the middle of another challenge that life has presented to us, or maybe God is taking us through this wilderness journey for his own reasons, from which we will benefit, amen, but then we start complaining Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? They questioned whether God had brought them out of Egypt to die of thirst. Verse number seven tells us that Moses named the place Massa and Meribah, meaning testing and quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and put God to the test. Is the Lord among us or not? Never let yourself get to that place where you start wondering, is God with you or not? Because he is. God is with you regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're feeling, regardless of what you're struggling with. God is indeed with you. We have to remember that God always has a reason for all things. And if God is taking you through a wilderness, uh, this wilderness journey, this wilderness experience, it's because of the fact there's something he wants to show you. There's something he wants to open your eyes to. There's something he wants to minister to you about. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. So do not be discouraged and do not get so upset that you stop trusting God. The other thing that we can do to get through a um, wilderness experience is to be thankful and to worship God. Praising and worshiping in the wilderness might be the last thing we feel like doing. When you wake up in the morning and the devil quickly reminds you of, of yesterday and what you have to go through today, and you start, oh, God, Jesus, I don't want to have to go to that meeting. I don't want to have to see that person. I don't want to go to this doctor's visit and whatnot. You don't feel like even getting out of bed. And you're kind of like, what's the use? last thing that you may feel like doing is praising and worship God, worshiping God, okay? But that's the time that you really need to praise and worship God. When we worship, we are speaking out words in faith, that's what it is. When we're worshiping and praising God, we're speaking out words of faith. You're saying, yes, Lord, I will not forget, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are my healer. You're the balm of Gilead with healing in your wings. Lord, I praise you. I magnify thy name. There is none other like you. You are the creator of everything. You're my creator. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you're, you're, you're confessing words of faith. This is what praising and worshiping doing. When we speak these words, we are actually speaking forth words praising God in spite of our situation, and you're telling God that in spite of what I'm experiencing right now, Lord, I still love you. There is none other like you, Lord. I bow down before you. I sing hallelujah praises to Thy name, Oh, Lord. I love you, Lord, and and you're confessing all of these things, and you're speaking forth these things, and you're you're, you're saying that this is this is how you still feel, regardless of what is going on. Okay, and the more that we speak forth these things, we are reinforcing our faith within ourselves. We're reinforcing the faith within our spirits by us speaking forth praise and worship to God in spite of what the world around us would be showing us. Okay, and we see that if we go to we go to Habakkuk uh, Habakkuk three, we go to Habakkuk three verse uh, verse seventeen, Habakkuk three. I'm sorry, chapters, uh, chapter three, sorry, Habakkuk three and verse 17. Let me get that straight. Habakkuk three, verse number 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights, For tread on the heights, amen, amen, amen. So we see, especially, especially 19, the, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Okay. So in other words, a deer is sure footed. A deer is sure footed. He is very, very comfortable comfortable about, about what we're and this is referring to the deer that lived uh, actually King James says um Heinz feet. Heinz H I N D S Hinds Heinz feet, okay, and they are like a mountain deer, okay, who were able to, to go up and down the the the, the, the uh, you know, the uh, inclines of the mountains without falling and so on like that. So this is what this is saying. He enables me to tread on heights. God will enable you to also tread on whatever whatever those heights may be in your life that seem to be so unconquerable, right. right now, you may feel like this thing that is before you you, you, you just, there's no way that you can achieve success over it. It's a mountain that is before you that you just cannot scale. You cannot overcome this particular mountain, right? But you have to remember that the sovereign Lord is your strength. He is your strength. This is what we need to remember as we're going through these uh, um, wilderness experiences. Praising and worshiping God is related to thanksgiving and aligning our thoughts and words with his. All right, let me say that again. Praising and worshiping God is related to thanksgiving and aligning our thoughts and words with his. Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we speak out words of faith and simultaneously hear ourselves speaking these words, they reinforce our trust both in God and in his goodness. This is the benefit of praising and worshiping God during a time when you're going through a wilderness experience. Okay, all right, all right. He's speaking forth these words, reinforce the faith that is in us and reinforce the, the uh, uh, trust that we have in God okay another point to remember in going through a uh, wilderness experience is that is, is that if we go to exodus 13:21 uh, exodus 13 13 verse 21 by day the, the by day the lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to guide them, to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people, in front of the people. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. So that tells us that the Israelites, when they wander through the the wilderness, that God provided for them. He gave them some guidance for them to keep their eyes on, to follow. Okay? Right? Right? So the same thing with us. God will give us the guidance during this time that you're in the wilderness. So keep your eyes on him. Don't let your eyes wander off into, into trouble. Don't let your eyes wander off into doubt. Don't let your eyes wander off into pity. You know, don't get into a pity party here. Oh, poor me. You keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you go to Exodus uh, uh, 14, 19, Exodus fourteen nineteen. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. So that's going into the Red Sea account, crossing the Red Sea. But you see what it's saying here, how, how God protected them. And it, it says there in 19 again, angel the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel withdrew and went behind them, also moved from it, the pillar of cloud, went from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. All right, So you see, God will protect your back. God will also protect your back. So so keep 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 your eyes focused on him. And remember that as you're going through this wilderness experience and things seem to be so difficult, remember that God is there to watch over you and protect you as you go through it. There may be something that he's trying to tell you, there may be something he's trying to get your your attention on, all right? But remember that during the experience that you're going through, that God is with you and that he will indeed provide for you. As he provided for Elijah, and he's also going to protect you as you go through it, so do not feel any sort of despair. The pillar of cloud by day and fire by night also acted as a testimony to other nations, okay, especially to Egypt. He said, "Look at, look how powerful their God is. The other nations when they said, "Look how powerful their God is." He puts a pillar of fire and a, a, a pillar of cloud. You know, he's protecting them. He's watching over them. Okay. This was not something that they could, have, the Egyptians could identify with. And I'm sure other nations around them have heard about what went on also. Okay. So this is sending forth a very powerful uh, a message that God is indeed protecting his people and was continually involved in their deliverance. Okay. God is protecting you and you may not feel it. You may not realize it, but God is protecting you and he is involved with your day to day situation. He's involved with your day-to-day situation. He's going before you to clear the way, to show you the way so you can just keep your eyes on him and keep moving forward. And he's also protecting your back by keeping you separated from the enemy, the enemy being those that are trying to do you harm or situations, the devil himself, you know, demons of darkness that are trying to destroy your life. God is indeed protecting you. He's watching your back. Amen. The pillar of cloud and fire was identified as the angel of the Lord, according to scripture here. Corey Ten Boone, I'm sure you've heard of her. Corey Ten Boone says that if you look at the world, I quote her, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Amen? Let me read that quote again. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be distressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Okay? So if you look at the world around you, what they're telling you are solutions, are are solutions that's going to make you feel worse off their solutions are certainly not necessarily God, not God's solutions. And if they are not God's solution, then you're going to wind up being distressed. If you look within, then you'll be depressed because if you look within, then you're, going to see, you're not going to find any answers. If you look within, you're going to say, oh boy, how am I going to get out of the situation? You don't have any answers. If you had answers, you'd do something about it. Amen. So if you look within, you'll be distressed. But however, if you look at God, then you'll be at rest. Then you'll be at rest. Amen. When we take our eyes off God, our pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, we end up being unable to see where we're going. We wander about in the darkness and we get lost, okay? take your eyes off God, you wind up getting lost because then you wind up, you, you, you wind up resorting to your, your, your own abilities, your own thinking, your own mind on how you can get out of the situation. So you take your eyes off of God, then you wander about in the darkness and you wind up getting lost, We forget that God is nearby and ahead of us, leading us through the desert, leading us through this particular wilderness experience that you might be going through. This is what the Israelites did at numerous points throughout their journey. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus helps us to trust him in difficult times, okay? To trust him in difficult times. Israel wandered because they had their eyes off of God. They grumbled. They complained. God wanted to get their attention, Okay. Okay. They went into the desert there with, with one thing in mind, but after things started getting challenging, they forgot about God. Forgot about God and started, started looking at their own resources to, to fix the problem. Okay. The other thing that we have to remember in this wilderness experience is that have faith that God is using the wilderness experience for your good. Although the Israelites wandered in the desert for longer than they hoped because of their complaining, the fact is that God led them into the wilderness in the first place. It was the place that God intended that for them to be. Okay, God led them there by design. They didn't want to be there, but God led them there by design. And if we go to Exodus 13, uh, 17, it's 13 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, okay? God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt, okay? So God knew that if they took them them the short way and they ran into the Philistines, the, the occupants of the land at the time, boy, they would have definitely said, oh, boy, oh, boy, let me go back to Egypt, okay? And sometimes that's the way it is with us. You know, when we run into a challenging time in our lives, you know, in our heart of hearts, sometimes we, 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 we do a reverse on God and say, boy, I wish I was back in the old life. Boy, I wish I was back living the life that I had before because at least I didn't have this problem. I didn't have this worry. I didn't have to deal with this. You see? You see? You see? So, so so, God took them the long way because he knew that the first obstacle that they ran into, that they would fold up and they would want to go back. Verse 18 says, so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle, okay? All right, you see, so God took them the long way by design. God chose not to lead his people directly to the promised land after escaping Egypt, even though he could have easily done so, all right? But he chose not to. At the time, it was occupied, as I said, and the Israelites would not have survived an onslaught from the enemies. Not at that time. They were not in a condition. They would also have definitely wanted to return to Egypt if they faced war, they lacked a true identity. They really didn't know who they were. They were unsure of whether they were truly God's people or still slaves of Egypt at that point. Okay? And the same thing happens to us. We forget who we are. We forget who we are. Okay? We forget our identity. Do you identify with Jesus Christ in your heart of hearts? Do you identify with Jesus? Or are you still kind of out there you know, wondering who you are? Okay? All right. So so, so they, they didn't know that they were, they, they, they didn't have in their heart of hearts, they didn't feel that they were, were truly God's people. They felt like they were slaves of Egypt in some cases, all right? And well, obviously they desired to go back there, amen? So many times here you see that God is trying to trying to make you think about what's your identity, okay? And I say that to you right now. What is your identity, okay? How much faith do you have in God? Who do you say that you are? Who do you feel that you are? Who do you think that you are? Who do you believe that you are? What's your identity in Christ Jesus, Amen? If your identity is kind of, you know, kind of all over the place and everything, then maybe this particular wilderness experience that you're going through, God is trying to get your attention to realize that you are His child, you are His son or daughter, to come to the realization that you don't have to be suffering through and 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 um, and, and dealing with the issues of life that you are dealing with right now. This wilderness experience may be an eye opener for you. Okay, it could be an eye opener. God may be doing the same thing with you as you go through this your own spiritual desert. If we go to Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy eight, Deuteronomy eight, uh, number verse one, eight verse one. And it says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these forty years. This is what he's telling him now, okay? All these forty years, to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Okay? Now let's read that again, understand what God is telling them here. He's telling to remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years to do what? To humble and to test you. To humble and to test you. Maybe sometimes we need to be humbled. How are we viewing ourselves? Okay. Maybe you're too puffed up in some areas. Maybe you're so puffed up that you don't believe you have to consult God about things in your life. Think about that. Okay. To humble and to test you. If you're going through a wilderness experience, maybe God wants to humble you and to refocus and to test you. He goes on to say you in order to know what was in your heart, to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Maybe God wants to see and you to realize what is in your heart because God knows what's in your heart. But do you realize what's in your heart? In your heart of hearts, do you believe in him? Do you do you trust him? Do You have faith in him. Okay, Uh, what's in your heart, whether or not you should keep his commands. Verse number three says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. That man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. OK, Do you realize that the things of this life, your salary, you know, your job or the accomplishments that you've done, you know, this is not what you really live on. You shouldn't be looking forward to live, live by those things. You shouldn't be looking forward to think that as long as my bank account is full, as long as I have my check coming in direct deposit, as long, 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 as long as I have all of these things going on, I'll be okay. Man does not live by bread alone. Worldly things will not um, will, will, will not sustain you. You're going to live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Amen? Amen? Then it goes on in verse 4 that says, During those forty years, he's saying, "Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years." Okay, so all of that, all of that, that that wilderness experience, their clothes didn't wear out, and their shoes didn't wear out. Think about that. Forty years. How many items of clothing do we have that would last you forty years? I can't think of any items of clothing that I've had for forty years. Amen. Amen. Uh, Okay. Okay. So, so in other words, God supplies. And during this time of wilderness experience that you may be going through, God will supply all of your needs. Nothing will wear out, so to speak. He will sustain you. He'll feed you with manna, quote unquote, okay? There'll be provision for you. You don't have to worry where food is going to come from. You don't have to worry where drink is going to come from. God will indeed sustain you. He will carry you. Your clothing will not wear wear, wear out, okay? Verse five, "Know, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now, this is very important, because in the same way that you discipline your children, if you're a good parent, you should at some time discipline you. Discipline your child, okay? And I know, and you've probably seen it too, especially in this day and age, there are so many parents out there. You see them in the stores where a child is just throwing a fit or a child is demanding that I want this particular toy. I saw it the other day in the store that I was in. This child was demanding she wanted this toy, and the mother was telling her, no, no, no. And the kid was so nasty to the mother. I want it now. I said, I want it now. That child needed some disciplining. Okay, so this is saying here that the same way that that the same the same way you you know that uh, a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. So God disciplines us. Okay, if we're off in on a tangent here, where we're doing something that is displeasing to God, and and it particularly it's impacting us, and it's not good for us, or maybe even downright dangerous to us, God is disciplines us to let us know that's not where we should be going. Okay. And I've seen so many people get, get bent out of shape, you, you know, in, in, in sermons and everything like that, where something will come from the pulpit based on the word of God, something God is saying through his word and everything, and it hits them right home hits them, hits them right home, and they get so upset, you know, because they start thinking that all I want to hear and read from the Bible are, 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 are the good things of the Bible, okay? I want to cherry-pick my selections that I read. I want to cherry-pick what I hear from God. Well, God is a loving God, and yes, He gives us words of encouragement. He embraces us and He hugs us, but then also for our own good, He disciplines us at times. So let us know we, don't, we shouldn't be going down that path. We shouldn't be going in that direction, Okay, what is it that you're really believing in your heart of hearts? So God disciplines us, which is a good thing. At the time, it may not feel so so good, but you have to remember that this is God, your heavenly Father, and what he's doing for you is for your own good. At the time, it may not feel comfortable, but he's doing it for your own good. Verse 5 again, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, uh, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing and you will lack nothing, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. All right, so he's telling us so much goodness there. God is bringing us into a good land, God is bringing you into a good land. In other words, God is bringing you into a good place in your life. He's bringing you into a good place, a good place in your life where you will prosper, a land with brook streams and deep streams gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, okay? So there'll be plenty. A land where there is bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, okay? Okay? Okay, if you're feeling this wilderness experience right now and you're wondering where it's heading, God is preparing you and he's opening your eyes to bring you into your promised land. Okay, and you've heard me say this before in many other sermons over the years that we all have a promised land. We all have a promised land. Okay, And those promised lands can change in our lives from journey to journey. Okay, Okay? OK. From step by step, as God wants to bring us to where he wants us to be. A promised land is where you wind up getting into a place where you are just overjoyed with the, the prosperity, with the health, with the joy, with, with, with the relaxation that God has given you over some a, a turbulent time that was in your life. God will bring you into that promised land. So this wilderness experience that you may be going through right now is preparing you for your particular promised land where there will be plenty, where you will lack nothing, where you will lack nothing. And it says there, then then the other part it says in verse ten, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. When God does bring you out of this wilderness experience and brings you into that land where you're going to, to benefit from, remember that it was God that did it. <clears throat> remember that it was God that gave it and to praise him for it, to worship him for it, and to be careful, verse eleven, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and decrees that God has given us this day. Amen. Amen. So it's saying that you may be going through this wilderness experience, but God is bringing you to a place here where you are going to be really, really um, th- 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 just benefiting uh, uh, through all that He's He's exposing you to. OK, you will you'll benefit from how your eyes are being opened to the realities of God's work in your life. It may feel uncomfortable now, but recognize that God is trying to show you something. He's trying to talk to you. I would say I would say to you after you hear this message, get into some prayer and say, Lord, if I'm in this wilderness, what is it that you want me to see? What am I missing, O Lord God? Well, what is it that I should be doing? Oh Lord, open my eyes that I, I may see. Open my eyes that I may be able to benefit from what you're giving me and show me, and open my eyes so that so, so that I I can be thankful and that I can praise you and worship you. Because, Lord, I know that you're a good God. I know you're an awesome God. Israel needed to be fully allied with God. And that's what we need to be, fully allied with God. The Israelites needed to be able to check in their own hearts and to see how fickle they were during those years. Okay, The dumb things that they did. You know, you know, building that, that uh, uh, forging that uh, golden calf and everything, that was pure craziness, all right? And all the other times that they just showed so much doubt. It was not just the complaining or grumbling that led to the Israelites being in the desert for 40 years, okay? It was their actions. Their complaining was the outward sign of the inward state of their hearts, okay the complaining was the outward sign of the of the inward state of their hearts okay so the complaining is what you if you're complaining 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 all the time and that's the state your state of your heart is that you don't have faith in god that you don't trust god okay so stop the complaining and praise him and worship him and talk to him and find out what it is that he's trying to show you it revealed that the complaining that they were not fully acquainted or allied with god they were still looking behind to where they had been before Don't look back to where you were before. Don't look back to where you were last week, yesterday, last month, last year, 10 years. ago. Don't look back. Look forward to where God has you and where he's taking you. Because where he has you and where he's taking you is going to be beneficial for you. You may not feel like it right now, but it will be beneficial for you. Okay? Until their hearts were right, Israelites, until their hearts were right, God would continue to use the wilderness experience to refine them and make them into the people that he desired them to be. The Israelites needed to realize that they would follow God wherever he led them and would keep his commandments. They also needed to see God's provision and to trust in him completely. We need to be able to trust in God completely. It was God who brought them out of slavery and not anything they did on their own merits. God brought them out of Egypt. Nothing that they did. God brought them out of Egypt. And then finally, they needed to live not on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. This is a truth that Jesus recognized when he was in the wilderness himself and tempted by the devil. God used, Jesus used the word of God to defeat him. Jesus told the devil, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Told Satan that and Satan backed off. Okay. Your own wilderness experience may not be pleasant, saint of God, may not be pleasant. So these survival tips hopefully can help you through your wilderness journey. Know that God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you and is working in your life right now. He's using the experience of the wilderness here for you, He's using it for your good and to work out his purposes in you. That's the whole design to work out God's purpose for you, you know, for him in, in you. Amen. 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 And, and, and you, you will, you will benefit by that. God has a purpose for you. Many times we get sidetracked and we forget and don't realize what God's purpose is. There's a lot more to life than us getting up, going to work, getting up, going to school, or doing whatever it is that we do during the day, going to bed and getting up the next day, repeating the whole thing over again. There's a lot more to you than what you may realize. God realizes it and he wants you to realize it. So align yourself with God's thinking. Align yourself with Holy Spirit. Align yourself with Lord Jesus. Align yourself, align yourself, okay, so that you can benefit from what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to find your identity in him alone and to make you the person that you're meant to be. That's the purpose of this wilderness experience. Amen? For you to be, for you to be, for you to be the person that you are meant to be. And what God sees you as what you're meant to be could be Oh, my gosh, gee, light years away from what you think you're supposed to be doing and your purpose in life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. Think on it. And if this message was a blessing to you, then consider passing it on the uh, link to to find these sermons uh, to your friends your loved ones, even someone giving you a hard time. God doesn't want them to perish either. Amen. We can be reach that www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, there's a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button, and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are made available. Uh, we're on YouTube, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, we still have our apps for Android and Apple devices. Uh, download them. It's all free of charge. Uh, all of these sermons are free of charge for you to also download and save. Um, you can get the um, video portion or either just the uh, audio-only portion. It's up to you. Download either. and It's all free of charge. It's all that because we want to make sure that the Word of God is getting out there to as many as possible. Amen. Amen. So praise God. Thank you for being with us. Come back again next time. And during uh, this time of this experience that you may be going through, look to God, open your eyes and trust him and ask him, Lord, where is it that you're taking me? What is it that I need to do? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to be close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And now we pray uh, that we, as we go through the balance of the day and week ahead of us, oh Lord, we shall remember these words, keep these words closely guarded within our spirits that they cannot be stolen away, O oh Lord God. And let us remember to always to trust you, to, to look to you for all things in our lives and to, to talk to us and let us know where it is maybe that we're missing the mark. We praise you, Heavenly Father. And we magnify thy name in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Go forth and uh, be blessed and always know that Jesus is Lord.